The Guardian. Ah, right. Time to get up. <sighs> Over a year into the COVID nineteen pandemic, lots of us are feeling knackered. Months of stress, worry, and a lack of social interaction have certainly left me feeling exhausted, and the rest of my family seems to have become, well, more nocturnal. But has the pandemic affected everyone's bedtime routines in the same way? Or for the people who weren't getting enough sleep before? Have the various lockdowns, school and office closures allowed them to catch up and finally get the rest they need? We noticed that people in the lockdowns were sleeping very much closer to what they normally slept on weekends, but that they didn't sleep later on weekends. So it's not just being lazy and, and, and lying in. It is what the biological clock wants. I'm Linda Geddes and this is Science Weekly. In Tuesday's episode, we explored the concept of chronotypes, whether we're night owls or morning larks, and found out that because we live in a world built for larks, night owls are being shortchanged with their sleep. It got us thinking, perhaps the pandemic could be changing this. For those furloughed or working from home, without children I should add, we currently have a lot more flexibility in our sleeping and waking schedules. Has Covid changed our sleep patterns? I called in on someone who has studied this exact question. It's, uh, it's uh, very experimental because I'm not a farmer, as you know. I started to grow all kinds of stuff, um, uh, including potatoes, onions, leeks, kohlrabi, uh, little flowers. Hello, my name is Till Ronneberg and I am a chronobiologist, uh, which means I uh, research the biology of time. In Tuesday's episode, we heard about what our chronotypes are and why night owls have it worse when it comes to their health. But just in case anyone listening didn't hear that episode, perhaps you could give us a quick recap. What is a chronotype? A chronotype is a very normal biological trait. It's like body height or foot size. Um, it's something that you, you are born with. And it's due to the fact that the biological clock is made of genes, and if anything is made of genes, it can vary within a population. And chronotypes are the variants of how a clock embeds itself into the light-dark cycle of the Earth's rotation. So if you embed yourself so that you fall asleep very early, you will be called a lark. And if you're on the other end of the distribution and you fall asleep very late, um, then you are an owl. And uh, there are many, many people, like in all distributions, many more people in between, which I have started calling the doves because I think they also should have a name. The way our biological clocks synchronise to the outside world is what makes us a lark or owl. And all of this is influenced by what you describe as our social clocks. What is a social clock? We have three clocks that influence us. There is the sun clock, which influences because it entrains, it synchronizes uh, the biological clock. And then we have the biological clock that listens to the sun clock. 
And then we have this theoretical construct, which um, we can read off our, our clocks. We decide what time it is, what local time it is, and they are not always along with the sun clock. In the very old days, before we had trains, the sun clock and the social clock and the biological clock were practically all in sync and in phase because the village knew that it was midday when the, when the sun was at its highest point. But then we had to travel from one village to the other and um, the schedules of the train had to be rescheduled in every village because every village had their sun, sun time. So one agreed in the late 19th century on dividing the earth into 24 hourly time zones. And within these time zones, you already had a discrepancy between what the sun tells you and what the, what the clock, the social clock tells you. And in, on, in, in addition to that, the variance of the genetics in the population makes people embed themselves very differently into the light-dark cycle. And therefore, all these three clocks um, can be wrong. No, the sun clock can't be wrong, but the way we, we deal with these clocks can be wrong and can, can give, give us uh, troubles and complications. And if your social clock and biological clocks don't match up, then we have what you call social jet lag. Yes, I call it social jet lag because it's very similar to travel jet lag, with the exception that we cannot adjust our body clocks to a new situation. The situation is chronic. We have to use an alarm clock. We can't fall asleep as Aulish people. We can't fall asleep early enough to get our eight hours sleep before we have to get up in the morning to go to work. And therefore, we have to wake ourselves up. We have to interrupt our biological sleep with an alarm clock. And this is living against the body clock. Social jet lag it measures the discrepancy between the social clock you have to listen to and the biological clock that um, tries to get you into sync with, with the daily rhythms. You know, we know that the pandemic has had a big impact on our sleep from the perspective of stress and anxiety disrupting it. But you have been investigating it from this point of view of social jet lag. Tell us a bit more about what you were looking at. Well, we were asking people all around the world in, in many different countries, and we've asked about 10,000, and after cleaning the database, it was still more than 7,000 people left, what they did before the lockdowns or the social restrictions, because there weren't always lockdowns in every country, uh, or hard lockdowns, and what they did within the lockdown. And we've asked them about three to four weeks into the lockdown, and therefore we assumed that they had reached some kind of a steady state. And what we found is that they actually slept during the work week according, very much according to the times that they used to sleep on weekends. And on weekends, we believe that we can see more how our individual biological temporal windows for sleep are opened and, and closed, um, rather than during the work week when we are forced to sleep within a certain social window. We noticed that people in the lockdowns were sleeping very much closer to what they normally slept on weekends, but that they didn't sleep later on weekends. So that showed us several things. First of all, what people do on weekends is close to what their biology wants. It's not just 
being lazy and, and, and lying in. It is what the biological clock wants. Because otherwise, um, why not shift the entire system when you get into lockdown? But what we are forced to do on the work week is not what our biological clock wants. And if we get the chance, as most of us did, by being forced to stay home, we tend to behave as if we had a weekend even during the work week. Were there any groups that had a bigger change to their sleep patterns? The larger your social jet lag was, the more you moved and the more sleep duration on average you gained. So you moved much to much later times um, during the work week. If you were an owl that um, slept late during the weekends anyhow, if you were um, a moderate owl or an, um, a moderate lark, you didn't move as much. And if you were a lark, you didn't move at all because you already, before the lockdown, were awake without having to set an alarm. What about light? Because many of us who've been in lockdown will have been going outside less often. And I guess also if you're waking up later, you tend to have less exposure to that kind of bright early morning light that might make you a bit more lark-like. Do you think the pandemic may have affected us or affected our sleep in that respect as well? What makes clocks early is not only bright light that we only get outside, but also real darkness that we don't get if we live in, a, in an industrialized world where we can just switch on the lights. So this signal makes most clocks later. And now during the lockdown, the signal became even weaker because people went outside even less, and therefore they got later. But that is something we can already see on free days. The free day behavior in most people got a bit later, and that is probably showing us how much the um, lack of light has done. What do you think these results tell us about our sleep habits pre-pandemic? We have to really rethink our entire temporal life. If you are an employer, your interests should not be that everybody is in the office at nine or even earlier. Because most of them, the first thing they do is get themselves a coffee and chat because they can't work yet properly. So as an employer, you should actually be interested in, in employees who sleep until they wake up by themselves and come to the office and are immediately fresh and, and at their best performance and give you their best time. So to um, make social time individual is one of the things that we've learned in the pandemic and that it is possible. I always say what society does with the biological clocks is similar to the fact that um, certain factories have to provide their workers with safety shoes. The factory director of a certain factory decided I'm going to spare money and I'm going to give them one shoe size, every worker. That's exactly what we do to the time um, frames of our biological clock and therefore we have very similar problems. It's very, very clear that living against your clock, even to a smaller extent, will increase all your health um, probabilities concerning, for example, 
metabolism, like you put on weight, and therefore you might even develop diabetes. The cardiovascular disease risk goes up. Every one of those risks goes up and costs um, society millions and, uh, and doesn't improve productivity. So it's, it's purely very traditional moral thinking. That was okay when we were all farmers. We have to understand that it's not just a feature of, of your personality that makes you earlier or late, but it's a biology. It's a biology that even received a Nobel Prize a couple of years ago. So it is recognized among all scientists and medical people, recognize that this is a biological um, phenomenon. And now society has to recognize it and has to not brush it aside as something that's not important. What lessons should we as individuals be taking away from this research about sleep and chronotypes, particularly as many of us continue to work from home? Um, should we be doing things differently? Most of you already have done things differently, and most of you sleep longer on average, and that's, that means you should keep these acquired new habits. It's very important that you go outside, and we advise all governments who do lockdowns to allow people to go outside because in another part of this study, we were lucky enough to have about half of the countries that had lockdown. People were allowed to go out for walks on their own, not in groups, but on their own. And in others, they were not allowed outside. And the well-being and, and quality of life of the self-assessment of how, how much I, how, how well do I feel was much better in those countries where you were allowed to go for a walk. So go for a walk, especially in the morning, and uh, that will make you a bit earlier. It allows you to, to um, fall asleep earlier because if you're inside all the time, you might get later and later and later, and then you get into real trouble if you can't fall asleep until 3 o'clock in the morning but you still have to start performing at half past nine or ten, then you get into trouble, especially also with, with children at home who are earlier chronotypes. Try to get as much sleep as possible because po um, sleep does not take away from wake. It makes wake possible, and it makes it possible in so much better ways um, than if we haven't slept uh, enough. Thank you very much, Till. It's been absolutely fascinating and I'm sure our listeners will take many lessons from that. I hope so. Thanks again to Till Ronenberg. If you want to read his study, head to the podcast webpage at theguardian.com where we've put a link. So, producer Madeline, our resident night owl, what did you make of the research? It is good to know that I'm probably genetically predisposed to stay up late. And actually, like Till's study showed, I also have shifted my sleep pattern on the weekdays to close to what it is on the weekends. But what will happen when we eventually, hopefully, get back into the office? Seeing as social jet lag does affect our health in so many varied ways, I would say I've got a pretty good case to put to the editor for coming in later. <laughs> well, there you go, night owls. If your bosses or partners are complaining about your nocturnal habits, send them our way. And that's it for this week. See you back here next Tuesday. Thank you. 
For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.